every major company who's successful today has a research and development department. They're trying new stuff and churches put so much pressure on the creative people. I would love to see more and more churches just have a team with the instructions of let's try something. Let's see if it fails. Let's see if it works. What can we do? I tell you, the breakthroughs will happen when you start experimenting and you take the pressure off of your creative people to make every single project a huge success. From the pages of Church Growth Magazine, helping church leaders implement their vision, this is the Church Growth Magazine podcast with your host, Brian Boyd. This is the Church Growth Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Brian Boyd. And today sitting with me is, um, I think, a self-proclaimed media mogul. Um, (laughs) Yes. I'm not sure. So many things he calls himself, but one of those is Phil Cook. Phil Cook, welcome today to the podcast. I I am thrilled to be here, Brian. I have to say these things about myself. Nobody else will. So there you go. Well, that's true. I know, uh, you know, Joel Osteen has a saying, uh, he says, you know, when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, say kind things to yourself because for the rest of the day, you won't hear anything like that. So you've <laughs> heard him say that, advice. I'm sure. Yeah, it's true. Well, Phil Cook uh, is living in Burbank, California. Uh, there's a bunch of things. Of course, you can read all about him at Phil Cook with an E, Phil, C-O-O-K-E dot com. Phil Cook is his blog. Um, I met Phil in 1984 when I was in school and I walked into work one day and and I was working in the broadcast field and, and, uh, and Phil was my boss in 1984. And, uh, here we are 40 years later ish and we're still talking to each other. Pretty remarkable, huh? Yeah, I don't, that's, I'm, I think it's pretty amazing. I think, um. We had a great time and we've been uh, different different projects together. And and uh, as you know, Phil, Church Growth Magazine and the podcast is dedicated to helping churches make tact- tactical decisions in helping their church grow. And yeah. one of those is, is, I know we could talk about a lot of subjects, but one of those is how to lead creative people. So churches are made up of many different creative groups, and I, I'm not an expert here, but I would guess uh, the music, worship, arts would be one team. Uh, what technology, broadcast would be another. Sure. Maybe what marketing, digital marketing, social sure. media be another one. Yep. Who am I missing, and 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 what's the key in in leading these groups? Well, it, it, we live in a digital age, which simply means that creativity is really the driver of so much in our world. We we think that you know, my dad was a pastor in the fifties and sixties in North Carolina, and in those days, if you had a good set of lungs and a Bible and a car, you could drive around and preach the gospel and and right. generate crowds. But today, we're talking about the advent of websites, the advent of social media, the advent of video, the advent really of marketing, because we live in this world that's so cluttered. The most recent study I read indicated that the average person sees about 10,000 media messages every single day. So when you talk about church growth, if you want to grow your church, watch out to listen to your message. I've got 9,999 other messages banging on my door. So I think that for if you really are serious about growing a church, growing a ministry, growing a nonprofit organization, we have to think in terms of how do we lead creative people? Because two things. Number one, you've got to get the word out in some way. And that means you're going to work with designers. You're going to work with writers. You're going to work with video people um, to help make that happen. And I think that's really the driving force of what church, church growth means 
today. So pastors more than ever, I think, need to learn some techniques, real specific techniques. And I, I've really focused a lot on this this year, actually, um, hmm. how to train pastors and ministry leaders to really lead creative people. Because as you know, Brian, you're, you're incredibly creative. You're different from most other people. So I think we just need to understand how that works if we're going to maximize uh, our church growth. So last week, uh, we spoke with Rich Wilkerson Sr. He's the pastor of Trinity Church in Miami. And we talked about volunteers and how to activate volunteers in your church. Kind of segues into this week a little bit, but Okay, so I've got volunteers. Clearly, I can't tell them what to do, right, Phil? I yeah. mean, so so how do I how do I lead them and train them? But yet, I'm asking for their time. Well, they're not, my, they're, two, they're not my, my two two cents about volunteers is simply we need to raise the bar when it comes to volunteers. You have no idea the number of people that at churches. You know, we work like you. We work with churches for a living, and I get so many leaders at churches telling me, "Well, Phil, we just can't. We can't." trust volunteers. We can't get volunteers. We can't recruit yeah. volunteers. And all that's, you know, ridiculous because number one, I think, you know, they, they complain that I can't tell a volunteer to show up at a certain time because he's volunteering. I can't, you know, ask a volunteer to do this task or that task yeah. because they're, you know, here's the deal. You, if you have a media team or a communications team or a design team or any other team at a church, for instance, I think the challenge is to raise the bar, make it an exclusive thing for you to be a volunteer on this team is a remarkable thing. You're lucky to get on this team. And as a result, you need to show up and you need to do the job and you need to be extraordinary in doing it. And so churches that we've worked with that, that really excel with volunteers are churches that have volunteers doing amazing things. I mean, I know churches with a national television broadcast that have volunteers running camera and, and doing other key crew positions. Um, I just think that we, we have too low an idea of volunteerism and what volunteers are capable of today. And as a result, we don't challenge them. The other thing too is as leaders, we have to take a little time to train volunteers. You know, so often we just assume volunteers are going to step in and do the job that we who have been doing this for 10 or 20 or 30 years know how to do. And that's not going to happen. And we have to slow down a little bit, take them under our wing, mentor them, teach them. And trust me that, you know, that'll be frustrating because volunteers are going to make mistakes. However, if you can get past that hump of those initial mistakes of the frustration of the teaching of the mentoring, if you can get past that hump, suddenly you're released to do a whole nother level of things because now you have a capable volunteer team handling the stuff that you used to handle. So to, to dismiss the idea of volunteers is ridiculous. I think in a church today, because I, I look at it this way, there are people in your congregation that want to help advance the message and advance the cause. They want to expand the kingdom. And if we don't actively seek them out and help raise the bar and make it an honor to be on that volunteer team, I think we're making a huge mistake. So, it almost would be safe to say, Phil, that those working in the creative arts departments possibly could reach more eyeballs than than the ones sitting in the pews. I mean, when you think about it, the churches with multi-site campuses or a streaming church or the social media alone could be hitting hundreds, tens of hundreds, thousands of eyeballs a day. You, you're... You know, talk about volunteering, but your reach could almost be more substantial than the people that visit the actual physical church. Oh, not could be, is. Uh, yeah. There's no question about it. And I think you're exactly right, Brian. I, I know a pastor in Oklahoma City that 
preaches to 700 people in his congregation, and he has 10,000 people watching his live stream. So pastors, and here's the thing, and, and I understand mm-hmm. this, it's human nature. Very often pastors get obsessed or uh, focused on the people they see in front of them on a Sunday morning. But the truth is, when you start thinking of social media impact, live streaming impact, video impact, eventually maybe broadcast television impact, your creative team is your gateway to reach 10, 20, 30 times more people than you ever dream about preaching to on a Sunday. So that's not to say church growth is not important because we want to get people in the pews. In fact, a big part of communication for me is driving people to the church. However, we know with live streaming statistically that the minute you start to streaming live, a significant part of that audience is international. So when you start becoming a live stream church, you instantly become a global church. And so you're having a reach in places you never dreamed. So you're exactly right. Uh, We should cultivate the creative team in our church because man, it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about media to begin with. It sounds like you had a couple of espressos before the call for the podcast. (laughs) No, I just, it's, it's uh, pastors just don't grasp the potential yeah. there of getting yeah. the message out. I think it's really important. Yeah. So which we talk about creative groups, you know, which groups should we have in our church? Maybe we're forgetting. I mean, you know, I imagine some of the pastors listening and leaders have a congregation of a hundred and some may have 10,000, but if there were five or six buckets, like make sure you have this kind of focus in your church. Does that make sense? The question? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, num- number one, number one, I would say have a really compelling website. Um, I think th- the, the website becomes your home base for everything. It's where people go to to find out about the church. I mean, we live in a world, in my experience, where virtually 100% of new visitors will check you out online before they ever show up. So why is your website so lame? I mean, if that's the thing that triggers people to make the decision to visit your church, yeah. in many ways, your website ought to be the best thing you do. So I shouldn't so, have an under construction guy with a hard hat oh digging a hole gosh. saying... I wrote a blog. I wrote a blog last year about what a a church should expect from their website simply because I get so many pastors tell me, well, my website is down two or three days a week. Well, first of all, everyone, uh, the opinions expressed on this broadcast are not those of Church Growth Magazine, but those of (laughs) Phil Cook. Phil Cook only. So please send your cards and letters to Phil Cook. So go ahead. So what yeah, about your blog? Tell me. True. No, I mean, the website is home base. And, and yeah. so not to have that set up is, 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 is a real mistake. Plus, I would say when it comes to websites, your website is 100, in my opinion, yeah. your website yeah. is 100% for new visitors. Hmm. I mean, face it, your church members know who pastors the church. They know where the church is located. The they know when the Christmas musical is coming up. Yeah. They know all that stuff. They're not, your church website needs to be 100% focused on how to get that new visitor into the door. Mm-hmm. So if we could cr- grasp that alone, it would have a huge impact. So number one, start with the web, start with the website. Number two, we need to start thinking about social media. We are a social media driven culture for better or worse, but it happens. And so uh, the interesting thing is I don't care if you have 20 church members, you can still have a really effective and compelling social media campaign. Sure. And you know what? I always tell pastors, if you're uncomfortable with social media or you don't know a lot about it, find a high school kid in your congregation, you know, find a college kid. They can help you do it, show you how to do it. Um, if you can't afford to go find a, you know, a consultant that, that can advise you, get somebody that's young and really into it and really enjoys it to really sh- at least show you the ropes of how it's done. Because yeah. getting your message out there via social media, I think is more important than ever. And honestly, I think, um, you know, I go to my daughter for social media advice sometimes now because 
I'm, I don't have quite the connection that I used to with what the twenties are using possibly like, like, yeah. and you, and you're a guy that's owned social media companies. Yeah, I do. But so, every day. And I tell you what, TikTok is, is a real competitor now in video. The Instagram this weekend dropped the IGTV, IGTV button off their interface because they said people aren't using it. So this is, these yeah. are the freshest today's headlines. So having somebody in your, in your church who knows what's going on and say, Hey, pastor, let's, let's do a live, you know, Facebook live once a week or something. Having those ideas are, are, you're right. It's a really, it doesn't matter the size of your church. It, they're all valid concepts. That's great advice. And the third area I would focus on is video. Um, it's interesting that short video, and, and by that I mean four to six minute videos, have become the number one marketing tool in America. They're used by so many companies, so many nonprofits, so many churches and ministries uh, because they're so effective. I, I, a survey I read recently indicates that 55% of people that watch a short video want to find out more. So what does that say for event, the cause of evangelism or the cause of recruiting people for uh, your church? So I think, it, and the, the truth is, you've you got a video camera in your pocket. You know, you're carrying an iPhone or an Android phone around with you. And um, we know, a funny statistic, a little, little pro tip, there are yeah. two film festivals today just for movies made on iPhones. On. So don't tell me you don't have the budget to have, be right. able to produce videos. Right. So just being able to, I shot a thing with Greg Laurie recently. We were doing a television special where Greg has a, you know, pastor of, of Harvest Church in Riverside, California. Uh, Greg, Greg has the replica of the bullet Mustang from the Steve McQueen movie oh, yeah. bullet yep. in the 60s. Yep. And we wanted to do a show on how to share, how particularly geared toward men, how to share your faith with other people. And so we thought, well, let's put Greg and somebody else in a in a in his Mustang and drive up and down the Pacific Coast Highway, just talking about sharing your faith because the car culture, uh, you know, Southern California, that's going to be more attractive to men. And so we rigged it out with cameras, and uh, we set had drones going to follow him up and down PCH. And as we're rigging the car in the parking lot down in Newport Beach. Greg just whips out his phone and does a little behind the scenes video about, Hey, I'm here with Phil cook and we're producing a video on how to share your faith. We're going to use it. In my Mustang and he's showing his car and, and it just went nuclear. I mean, people loved it. So it's a great example of yeah. how it's so simple now to shoot, use video to get your message out there to more and more people. On, on the video thing, one anecdote, then I want to ask you a question. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to uh, Israel with uh, 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 John Hagee. And um, kind of traveled with him and did some social media for the the ministry as we were traveling around Israel. It, you know what the number one moment was? It wasn't a pre-produced segment or a worship thing. It was when they were doing the baptisms in the Jordan River. Yep. Um, I had a hotspot in my pocket and I had a waterproof case for my phone. And I walked out in the middle of the Jordan River and started Facebook. I did Facebook Live of them baptizing people in the Jordan. That's and great. People, all, even with the time difference, people back in the States couldn't believe they were watching this live, like live baptisms in the Jordan River, like as it was happening. And the yeah. views were incredible on that. So totally on, on, sorry, yeah, you're right. On, on video, now tell me this, should it be produced really, really clean and really cool with fancy graphics and opens and closes? Or can I really just whip out my phone and shoot something raw and it, you know, What's the what's the difference there? Yes and yes, uh, and there's a different time and place for both. Just like you you indicate, um, I, I'm I'm all for quality. I mean, you and I met on a television studio set, so you know you and I have been involved in video our whole career. 
And so we understand the fact that in a world of, you know, I have direct TV at home. And so I have about five or 600 channels. And in that competitive a world, I'm going to watch something that looks really great. Um, so on certain things, particularly polished, you know, we do a lot of videos for churches and ministries celebrating anniversaries or celebrating new projects and reporting. And we did all the the video leading up to the launch of the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And for something like that, that's very prestigious, really important. We want that to look amazing. So we go out of our way to shoot with a good camera, to have great camera operators and editors and, and graphics people. However, when it comes to social media, there's also probably in the majority of times, it's more important just to have a video, just to pull the camera out of your pocket, report live that that I'm behind the scenes. You know, one, one of the things I've discovered on social media is that a huge reason pop, people follow you is they're just curious to know what it's like to be you. And so you may be a pastor, you may be a creative director at your church or a communications person. You may be a ministry leader. People love to know what goes on behind the scenes in your life and how that works and how that mm-hmm. happens. So I do think there are times when it's more important just to get the camera out of your pocket, out of your, you know, use your phone and just do a little behind the scenes moment. It's, in, in fact, it's funny. I, I started doing a podcast about a year ago yeah. and th- there are some subjects that, you know, our team discussed that I thought, you know, I really don't have 20 minutes to talk about this subject, but I've got a minute or two. And so we just off the top of our heads, we started doing just a one minute short video. They're not fancy or anything. They're just me sitting my sitting at my desk talking about a, an issue. And those have been incredibly popular. I'm shocked at how popular they become. So it, it, there is a time to do fancy stuff when you're trying to convey an important, prestigious thought or an idea. But at the same time, never be afraid to give me a little behind the scene, scenes glimpse at what your life is like by just pulling out your phone and, and shooting a little impromptu video. So, so far we've talked about the website being critical, social media being critical, and you know the power of video. And all of these things can be done on, on practically no budget at all, or you could ramp it up and, and do things you know with, with significant budget, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, websites have completely transformed. You know, when, yeah. when I started out years ago, websites, you know, the very early days of the web, you and I both remember websites cost a fortune. Um, well, we had to have electricity that wasn't invented yet, but yeah. And so now we have, you know, Wix and WordPress and all these other yeah. companies that have templates that, that are, uh, many of them are free. So you just need somebody that's familiar with how to, how to, uh, you know, customize yours to your church or ministry. So it's you're you're right. All those platforms are virtually free, if not really close to being free. And so there's no reason not to at least be experimenting. And by the way, which leads me to another thing from a creative point of view, I might throw in, Brian, and that's I'm a big believer that churches should have an R&D lab in their church. Um, you know, every major company who's successful today has a research and development department. They're trying new stuff and churches put so much pressure on the creative people. I would love to see more and more churches just have a team with the instructions of let's try something. Let's see if it fails. Let's see if it works. What can we do? I tell you the breakthroughs will happen when you start experimenting and you take the pressure off of your creative people to make every single project a huge success let them experiment, let them try and go down some dead ends and you'll see, because half of knowing what works is knowing what won't work. And unless you can give people the freedom to experiment, you'll never figure that out. So I really encourage leaders to think in terms of developing, even if it's a small little R and D lab, just spend some time giving your people the creative freedom 
to try right. and fail every once in a while. I might add that all of these creative outlets that we've talked about today, all you can you can gather analytics and reports on all of these. So your website, your social media, video plays, you know, talking about R and D, Phil, you could actually try something out and within a couple hours know if it's su- successful or not. Yeah, you you're, you're not waiting days or months to find out did this tactic work. You'll know, you know, right away. No, pretty quickly. That's exactly right. Yeah, good. Any, any, as we r- close up the the podcast today, any final tips? Like, if if I'm a if I'm a church, what should I do today? If I had to go leave this podcast to do something of value, what should I do? I would say, number one, start identifying the creative talent in on your team or in your congregation. Uh, start surrounding yourself. Even if you're a church of 20 or 30 people, start surrounding yourself with people who really understand creativity and can make it work. And, and here's the thing. You just need to encourage them. Uh, number one, don't steal their ideas. Don't take credit for their ideas. I, I know pastors that are awfully quick to cr- take credit uh, hmm. for creative ideas their team comes up with. And let me tell you, if you reverse that, if you let your team take credit, you will not, you just won't believe the stuff they will go through. They, they will walk through a fire in order to create amazing stuff for you. So awesome. give them a little credit. Another last thing I'd say real quickly is deadlines are important. You know, so many leaders think that, okay, my creative team, I need to give them some space and let them do their own thing. And yes, we don't want to micromanage them by any means. We want to give them freedom. However, a dirty little secret out there is that we creative people love deadlines. I mean, I don't even start a project till I see the deadline in the distance. And, you know, I, I, I don't get lift off until I see the end of the runway coming up pretty quick. There, there's a, there's a great quote that said, I love deadlines. I love the whooshing sound they make as they go by. Um, <laughs> but the truth is I don't, deadlines give me a frame of reference. So if you just give me a creative job to do without a deadline, I, I was, I'll, futz around for a month or two and not get serious. But if you say, I need this by, don't be unrealistic. Don't tell them you need it by Thursday, but tell them you need it in two weeks or a month or whatever, depending on the size of the project, but give them a hard deadline. And I think you'll find creative people surprisingly will respond even better. There's a couple That's of- a great point. Go ahead. No, it's just a couple of little secrets. I think that are important to dealing with creative people. And, and I'd encourage people to, to pastors and leaders to start thinking about that right away. Would a cooler of Mountain Dew be a good idea to keep in the tech, tech <laughs> well, You know, room? it's really funny. It's, it's funny. There's so many trendy things, you know, sometimes it's, yeah. I remember back in the early days of Veggie Tales, you know, they were really famous for keeping a refrigerator yeah. full and buffet table going and snacks. And we yeah. do that here in Hollywood studios when we're on a movie set. But the truth is, those aren't the things that really motivate people. The things that motivate people are meaning, you know, doing a project that really matters, uh, allowing them to take the credit or share the credit for it, uh, giving them the space to do something amazing that has the potential to change the world. You don't need snacks if if you're doing remarkable work. So focus on that more than you focus on sandwiches and snacks. It's true. It's true. I can think of times in my own career where um, a leader has allowed me to do something and then even given me credit for it and said, well, look what Brian did. And I think it, it does mean a lot. So that's incredible. Phil, we've come to the end. Man, that was quick. You, well, you, you, we covered a lot of ground and I know there's a lot more we could cover. I'd encourage, encourage all our listeners, if you want to learn more about, about Phil and, and his podcast, it's at philcook.com and you can find his podcast wherever popular podcasts are sold. That's right. And, and uh, Phil and his wife, Kathleen, uh, run a great business in Burbank. 
and uh, excellent. Uh, I tell you what, Phil does answer questions pretty quickly. So if you reach out to him on his, uh, no, you always do. You're so quick. Uh, reach out to him on his website. He, he's pretty good at getting back and uh, he's very approachable. And I do appreciate that about you, Phil. Well, thank you very much. So, I'm thrilled with the church growth and what you're doing in the podcast. This is really exciting stuff because I, I, if we're going to, I think if we're going to impact the world with the gospel, churches are the key and anything that will help them expand their footprint and expand their message and impact is a positive, positive thing. So keep it up. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to ask any questions about the podcast, feel free to email us. You can email me here directly, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, Brian at churchgrowthmagazine.com. And we will get back to you in uh, some of your comments we will read on a future podcast. So for Phil Cook, I'm Brian Boyd. Have a great, great day.